Hello and welcome to episode one of the Time for the Good News podcast. So I'm Susan Granfield. I'm Dan Granfield. And this month we're bringing you a roundup of the best stories we've come across. And remember, this podcast is only about good news. So we want to bring a bit of balance to whatever news you've been consuming over the last month. We want to bring you good news stories in the realms of business, environment, human interest, and probably lots more. Loads of stories to share with you this month. And we're recording this podcast on holiday on the Isle of Skye, which is a tad stormy today. So if you hear a bit of wind and rain, um, then it's just the elements outside, but we're cosy inside anyway. So, Dan, do you want to kick off? You've got a great first good news story to share with everyone. I think it's probably my favourite story of 2020 so far. It's a great story. So, Magawa, the mine-detecting rat, has been awarded a gold medal by the UK's PDSA for sniffing out 39 landmines and 28 unexploded munitions in Cambodia. So, the citation for his medal reads, A life-saving devotion to duty in the location and clearance of deadly landmines in Cambodia. Apparently there's about six million landmines in Cambodia mm. and Magawa can search an area the size of a tennis court in 20 minutes. Wow. Which would take a human with a metal detector between one and four days. Mm-hmm. So he is personally responsible for the clearance of one and a half million square feet of land in Cambodia. That's Very incredible. Impressive. He's a big lad for a rat. Yeah, he weighs about a kilo. 28 centimetres long. Oh, you wouldn't want to meet him uh, on a dark night. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, he's, he's, kind of, he's, he's kind of a cute looking rat, actually. He's kind of brown and, and fluffy. He doesn't look like the, the rats that hang around the bins <laughs> in the centre of UK cities. Um, but he's light enough that he doesn't set off the mines mm-hmm. when he walks over them. And when he finds a mine, he scratches the surface of the ground to alert his handler. Um, and then they obviously go and dig the mine up and remove it. Um, he's also seven years old. I didn't know rats right. lived for that long. And he is due to retire. And his planned retirement, his days will be filled with exercise and games. Oh, sounds so, good to me. You know, he's being looked after, even after his service is over. So his terms and conditions are not too bad either. He only works half an hour a day in the morning. Nice. Although I don't imagine his salary is huge. I think it's paid in peanuts, watermelons and bananas. <laughs> Um, sounds like he's a vegan as well. <laughs> it does. He was trained for a year before he could do the job. So also a very thorough training scheme yeah. stroke apprenticeship. Uh, he was trained by the Belgian charity Apopo, who are based in Tanzania. And they they are known as hero rats. Mm. And have been detecting landmines and tuberculosis. Oh, right. okay. Since the 1990s. <laughs> you can even watch Magawa's medal ceremony on the PDSA website. That'll be worth a watch. Absolutely. Brilliant. Love that. Love that. And sticking with, with animals, so I've got a, a story about Burmese roofed turtles, okay, which have been saved from extinction. Now, these turtles um, are really cute and they appear to have a permanent smile on their face. Um, and the headline that caught my eye was that they now have even more to smile about. Um, so they're a native species of um, Myanmar's Irrawaddy River. Um, and they've been almost wiped out through overhunting for food, medicinal purposes and as pets. And in ni- the 1990s, the, the, they were suspected to be extinct. But then in 2001, a small population was discovered. 
And since then, a team of scientists, conservationists and local people have worked together. And there's now a population of around a thousand turtles which have been raised in captivity. So that's pretty cool. And it sounds like they really do have a lot to smile about now. Great stuff. Mm. I'm interested to see a picture of them. They're cute. If you Google them, um, the smiling turtles, if you Google that, you'll come across them. Definitely worth having a look at. Um, And so so moving from animals into human interest, um, now this next story um, I was particularly drawn to because I love mountains. Well, we both love mountains, don't we, Dan? Um, And this is about Mount Olympus. Well, it's not about Mount Olympus, but it's about a Greek athlete who climbed to the top of Mount Olympus, which in itself is not a particular newsworthy story. He'd climbed this mountain 50 times already, but the difference was um, that Marios Giancu, I've probably said that wrong, um, but on his 51st climb to the top, he had a 20-year-old, um, 22-year-old biology student strapped to his back. Now, not for, for fun, um, but because this was a lifelong dream um, of this student. She'd been in a wheelchair most of her life. And uh, so Marius and Eleutheria, which is the student's name, they both come from a small village called Drama in North Greece, and they met through a mutual friend. And when they met, she told him that this was her dream to get to the top of Mount Olympus. She was she loved extreme sports, but just couldn't see how she'd ever get to fulfil that particular dream. Um, and Marius was a sort of you know, athlete, adventure guy. So he took on this challenge and basically he climbed the nearly 3,000 metres with her in a specially modified backpack. Um, And, you know, with obviously the support of other people, they got to the top. But when I read this story, I mean, that's incredible, I think, what one human being will do for another. But he said the day before they did this, somebody had actually died on the mountain, had fallen off the mountain. So... You know, that's scary enough as someone who climbs mountains, but when you've got somebody else strapped to your back, it's, you know, an added risk. So I think that's a pretty good news story because, as I say, it just makes me think about what human beings will do for each other. I suppose Um, for both of them it was a unique experience for him carrying some mm. of that Mount Olympus, which I believe you told me had been up quite a few times up and down Mount Olympus. Yep, yep, 50 times. And obviously for the student at Eleutheria, Mm. for her to realise her dream of being at the top of Mount Olympus. Great mm. story. Quite amazing. Fantastic. So, yeah, so that's a bit of a, a human interest story. And Dan, you've got one, which I think a lot of people will have heard of by now, but... Yeah, but it's just, yeah, it's, yeah. so David Attenborough um, has joined the true world of social media and opened an Instagram account. So, previously... Uh, Jennifer Aniston held the world record for the fastest time to reach one million followers. Mm. Well, Sir David Attenborough has smashed Jennifer Aniston's record. Mm. Um, She took five hours and 16 minutes to to reach a million. Sir David took four hours. Mm. So he knocked an hour and 16 off the record. He now has six million followers. Uh, Jennifer Aniston presently has... 35 million so Mm. so David's got a bit to go but she's been on Instagram for a significantly longer time than he has his first video posted on the 24th of September has now had over 18 million views Mm. and the thing I love about this story is Sir David Attenborough is 94 Mm -hmm. 95 Uh, I think the average um, Instagram user or the main demographic is 18 to 34 mm-hmm. so it shows his 
positive influence um, on the world to people of all ages um, and continues to um, work in service of the natural world uh, as well as translate what's going on in it to all of us. Mm. Yeah, and I, th I think the thing for me with that is how it shows the interest, the, the changing interest in what people want to engage with on social media. Uh, so Jennifer Aniston, you know, it was all about the hair and the friends and all that kind of stuff. And now with David Attenborough, it's like, actually people are interested in things that have a bit more meaning and depth to them. Brilliant. So, um, sticking with the kind of environmental theme, which is obviously where David Attenborough kind of takes us, um, Dan, you've got a story about reduction in CO2 emissions. Yes, so you, you'll all have heard this about, dare I say it, the new C word, uh, I don't want to say it too often, but the coronavirus pandemic. One of the things that's happened is, the re is a reduction in CO2 emissions throughout the world. Now, we've all heard that, but the Potsdam Institute of Climate Research has managed to carry out an incredibly detailed piece of research, which must have involved wading through tons and tons of data to come to these conclusions, but they're quite stark. So the first half of 2020 saw an unprecedented decline in CO2 emissions, larger during, than during the financial crisis in 2008, or the oil crisis of 1979, or even World War II. An international team of researchers has found that in the first six months of this year, 8.8% less carbon dioxide was emitted than in the same period in 2019. Now that, you say 8.8%, doesn't sound that much, but if you put it into actual, the amount of CO2, it's 1,551 million tonnes mm. of carbon dioxide. So to put that in perspective, if we imagine the average family car is two tonnes, that's 750 million cars in weight of carbon dioxide. Wow. Uh, less that's been put out into our atmosphere, the world's atmosphere, mm. in the first half. It's not even the whole year. Mm. Um, and, you know, this kind of study really does show how important um, the effect of road transport is on CO2 emissions because the findings were that it was road transport right, okay. that um, was at least 40% of this there was others obviously industrial output energy production things like that but it was road transport co2 emissions that were flagged as, as producing mm. the most so the next time you're thinking of buying an electric car or a hybrid car or not buying a car mm. uh, or using a form of transport that doesn't involve the production of co2 that will make an impact mm. on the world's co2 emissions yeah, pretty amazing stats. Yeah, and I mean, my my work up until this year was very much, you know, I did a lot of travelling, not always road tra travelling, but I can, you know, contributed a lot to CO two emissions. And now, I I don't leave the house. All my work is done online. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, there's different ways to, to to look at it. But certainly, the last few months have given us all an opportunity to look at how we can we can do things differently in terms of how we travel or if we travel. Um, and I think on the CO2 thing, this is probably a story we'll come back to because the whole thing about carbon drawdown and the fact that we can yeah. actually positively alter the carbon um, levels in the atmosphere um, is something that we're 
looking at ourselves, aren't we? Yeah, soil storage, mm. all those things. So more on that to come. I've got an environmental story as well, um, and it's about recycling plastic bottles. So plastic pollution is a big problem. That is not news, and it's certainly not good news. Um, but the good news is that there's a company called Carbios that has been um, creating a new mutant enzyme, which... Sounds a bit frightening, mutant yeah, enzyme. Doesn't sound great in itself, but this mutant enzyme is, is made for good, um, and it's to help recycle the um, plastic in plastic bottles. So plastic bottles that are dumped and end up in our oceans take you know, 450 years to, to decompose. Um, and this new enzyme, um, it's claimed will allow 90% of bottles to be recycled within 10 hours, which is amazing. And so the creators are hoping that this will be up and running by 2025, which is not far away. You've got companies like Pepsi um, and uh, L'Oreal who are contributing to the development. So, yeah, watch this space for um, for more on that. Fantastic. And I think, you know, if and whether that happens or not, it just, it's for me, it's a good example of the good stuff that is going on out there. Um, and that's really what this podcast is about, is to shine a light on the fact that people are trying and finding solutions. Um, so a couple of other stories um, just to finish off and this is going into the, the realm of business which is close to my heart because that's where I tend to do a lot of my work and there's a seven year old boy who has turned into a bit of an entrepreneur, a bit of a, um, a you know someone who's wanting to, to spread some positivity. Um, a guy called Kavanaugh Bell, uh, who lives in Maryland in America, was being bullied at school. Um, now that's certainly not good news. But he had a very mature way of responding to his experience. And he's basically turned the hate that he experienced into love for others and sharing through kindness. Um, so he started off at the beginning of the pandemic making up and distributing packages to local people, uh, like elderly people in his local area, toiletries, food, etc. People were inspired by what he was doing and began to contribute money and other um, products to put into these packages. He, he and his mum, who were doing this business together, have outgrown their garage and they've now taken over a space in a local warehouse. They've hired a delivery driver um, because they've got so much stuff now to, to donate to people, which I think is brilliant. He's also set up his own non-profit organisation called Cool and Dope to combat bullying and spread positivity through acts of kindness. I presume that's not... It's, yes, it's, it, I think it's a, a word that young people use, okay. that's something that's cool and trendy, we wouldn't know about that. Um, but his vision is to eradicate bullying by his 18th birthday, which is in 10 years time, which I think is pretty amazing. Great story, mm. great story. I, I, love, I love the fact that he's turned um, being a victim into such a positive thing. You quite often hear about people who've done bad things like bullies mm. turning a new leaf yeah. and doing something like that, but the fact that he's gone from being the victim to turning his hate mm. the yeah. hate for him into love fantastic yeah. great story yeah. brilliant and we're going to finish off with um, another of your favourite stories Dan another brilliant story really good news for Oxfam the well known charity uh, Oxfam uh, if you do or don't know also have as well as the normal shops they also have second hand bookshops um, throughout the UK and probably through the world uh, Oxfam have reported a huge uplift in sales in second hand books mm. So not only is this a good recycling story, um, it's also good for Oxfam's revenues and therefore their charitable revenues. The interesting thing is, mm. we don't think these books are being read. Mm. So 
the zoom boom, which I know you... It's a phrase you've coined. Yeah, that's my own phrase, the <laughs> zoom boom, um, has meant that people are taking a lot more notice of the backgrounds behind them when they're um, delivering training or in meetings or one-on-one with other people, that they want to have a nice uh, background that makes them look more learned or well-read. Um, Oxfam managed to find this out because people were coming in and buying books that had spines of a certain colour. Yeah. So people were also colour coordinating colour the, the books on the bookshelves behind them. So in some ways, you know, it's a shame maybe the books are probably not going to be read, but the money's going to charity, mm-hmm. the books are not being thrown in the bin. Um, so for me, it's a great good news story. And again, another positive influence of the Zoom boom on the world. <laughs> Love that. Well, there you go. That's your um, your dose of good news stories uh, for this month. So we've got more coming uh, in a few weeks' time for you. And yeah, we hope that leaves you with a little bit of lightness and warmth and joy in your in your life. Um, we're still here in the stormy but beautiful Isle of Skye. Um, anything you want to say to finish off, Dan? No, thanks very much. And goodbye to everyone. Thank you. Speak to you next time. Bye.